If you want to crush your quota, you're in the right place. My first year in sales, I sold $758,000 on a $150,000 quota, and that was just the beginning. I'm your host, Mary Grothy. I'm a former number one B2B mid-market SaaS sales rep turned CEO. I've sold millions in revenue, broken multiple records, and now I run a company that rebuilds revenue engines and creates top sales performance. This isn't a show about achieving quota. This isn't about being okay in sales. This is about being number one and learning what it takes to crush your quota. When we thought about putting together season three of the Quota Crusher podcast, we decided it was time to step up our game. And I know you guys know that because we're a month or so into the season now, and you can see the lineup of guests that we had so far and just the quality that we're bringing forth. Well, one of the people when we were brainstorming about season three, I'm like, we can't have a season three without this guy named Morgan. And Morgan's kind of a household name. You probably know him, Morgan Ingram. You can have muffins with him on Saturdays, which is like super fun. But you can also digest his incredible content in a bunch of different areas. But this guy is a true star. So we were joking around. He's only 27 and he has like all these claims to fame, right? Things that a lot of younger people want to aspire to have before they're 30. I got a little jealous because I'm 36 now. I used to have that cool story and I'm listening to everything that Morgan's doing. I'm like, this guy is on fire in so many different ways. He's a huge influence in our community and our sales community. And I'm so excited that he's here. And in case you don't know who he is, which is a shock to me (laughs) if you don't know who he is, but he currently works with John Barrows and he's the director of execution and evolution at J Barrow Sales Training, but he focuses on delivering to sales development teams to enhance their skill sets and performance. But in his previous role, he was the sales development manager at Terminus, and he managed a team of 13 SDRs to help them they were, they were helping B2B marketers do account-based marketing at scale. And like you guys know how popular <laughs> account-based marketing became and how transformative it is for teams. So he started that early in 2016 and helped scale that company. They became the fastest growing startup in Atlanta, unreal. But in addition, he started his own YouTube series, the SDR Chronicles, and it has more than 100 videos, but it provides SDRs with motivation, advice, and tactics. But at 27, this guy, like if your mind's not already blown, he's been named one of the top 50 sales leaders to follow on LinkedIn or by LinkedIn, but a top 25 sales development thought leader by Inside Sales and LinkedIn's top sales voices of 2018 and 2019, but his work has been featured in Forbes, Sales Hacker, HubSpot, and Harvard Business Review. So that's an amazing intro. Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mary. And now, I mean, that was a lot and it was special, but what do you want to add to that? (laughs) What do listeners need to know about you? I mean, I feel like you summed it up pretty well, right? Uh, I mean, you know, looking to get 2020 top sales voice. So, you know, looking for looking for the three P here. That's that's what I am looking for. But in terms, in terms of, you know, other things to just be mindful of, you know, I always tell people that, you know, I am a person that happens to be a sales rep. We always say this at JB Sales that happens to be a sales trainer, you know, and I coach people and help people in their prospecting and help people to understand that prospecting in itself is about formulas and structure and then adding your personality to it to be successful. And so that's one thing that I'm on a mission I'm to do to help people as much as they can with the prospecting so it, and it can funnel into helping them get more sales. 
You know, it's super cool. And the way that you connect with your audience too, because I feel like you, I mean, I don't know you personally, but I feel like I know you. Yeah, I think you you have a big heart and at a young age, like you didn't take all this knowledge and bottle it up for yourself. You've been giving back to the sales community for a long time and your willingness to lift people up and to reach down the ladder and hold their hand and pull them up and be like, let's get to the next level. I love it. A lot of top performers get a little ego, very competitive, and they're like, I'm not sharing my secrets <laughs> with anybody else, but you've been so freely giving them out. So yeah, let's all band together. Like, what do we need to do to get you on your 3P? That's amazing. You've been uh, doing tremendous work on LinkedIn. I've also noticed that you've become so active on Twitter. And something cool is I'm following some of the people that are tweeting about you and seeing what they're saying. And that's always cool to see the effect, not just what you're putting out, but how your audience is receiving that and what they're doing with that. So it's just neat to see, like, you really do have influence. Your stuff is super good. It is scientific. You get a formula. I think that's one of the last uh, tweets that I saw about somebody implementing your process. It's like, this is a very easy to understand process. And I did what he told me to do. And guess what? It works. <laughs> like that is tremendous to see those results. That's really exciting. What do you think as you were leading the sales development team, what were some of the biggest challenges that you were overcoming with your reps? I think the biggest challenge for anyone who is going from an SDR to go and being a leader is to have the distinction between, hey, I'm your friend versus I'm your manager. This is critical because a lot of people out there who are becoming managers now because they got an internal promotion, right? Or things of that nature. So I think you have to be very mindful of that. And so when, I, when I'm looking at it, right, is that I had to tell the team, hey, look, there's a separation between us as friends versus me being your manager. Like I'm going to have to tell you certain things that you may not like uh, because you're not doing them the way they need to be done. And so that that's one thing I learned. I think another thing is that not everyone is the same. I think you look at your top performer and you're like, oh, well, everyone needs to do what he or she is doing. And it's like, that's not the case here. What you want to be able to do is what I called it with my team is we called it the nucleus. And yes. what, what that means is that what are you great at so that we can focus on that to get your results? We still need to fine tune other skills you have, but we need to make sure that you're doing what you're great at. So some people are really great at video. Some people are really great at calling, emailing, et cetera. So we had to make sure that that was there. And, and the last point I have on this is that you need to make sure that you're proactively coaching your reps. There's a lot of people who say that they do that, but they don't. The studies out there is that I think it's 70% of managers feel like they are coaching their reps and only 20% of reps say that they are getting coaching from their managers. So clearly someone is not telling the truth here. So the whole thing at the end of the day is that you need to make sure you're proactively coaching your reps. If you say you don't have time for it, make time for it, create time. And those are three tips that if any manager takes those, you're going to have a very successful team. Yeah. Those are three really big components. Like each one of those deserves its own podcast. I want to go to one central point though, that's important for those three pieces. And it centers back to what we teach on the behavioral quotient or BQ. The BQ wheel, if you look at it, the mental mindset's at the top, it fuels the emotional state, which then based on their emotional state, it's going to dictate their actions, which will yield performance. So let's look at the BQ wheel and talk about the very top with the mental mindset. I, I know with the SDRs that we've worked with, it's a hard role. And some people have said it's the most difficult role in sales. Also, if you have a fresh 
start in a sales career and you've been told like, hey, you got to start at this level. And then if you want to do other things, you can work your way up. It's actually very difficult. Um, Outbound prospecting, especially now if it's more of an inbound role where you're doing qualification and sending it off for a handoff, it's a little bit different. But if you're doing a lot of that grind with outbound, um, it can be tough. Hunting is not a role that comes naturally to a lot of people. And I think that there's a lot of mental preparedness that goes into that. So I would love for you to speak about what you've brought forth in your own management and then also in your training and coaching today of how do you do mental preparedness and mental mindset with SDRs, but also how do you do it with the management layer? Because both of them need to have their heads in the game and be aligned to what they need to be bringing forth to make sure they're in a great emotional state so their actions are awesome. So I'd love for you to speak to both of those. Yeah. So I believe that sales is 90% 90% of your mindset and 10% is obviously those skills. Now, and the reason people, I tell people that is because if your mindset is off, if you feel negative, right, then you won't be able to do the things that you know are there. Agreed. So with that being said, when it comes to the mindset perspective, you know, what I did as a manager, you know, even what I was telling other reps to do is that write out your goals. All right. It sounds super simple, but 42% of people, if you, if you, if you write down your goals, there's a 42% increase of success in completing that goal when you write it down. So from a mindset perspective, if you know what you're going towards or driving towards, then you know, okay, eventually we will get there. Right. But if you don't have that, then you're going to be spinning your wheels and you're going to feel overwhelmed, which is what we don't want at the end of the day. So what I always tell my reps is write down your goals. I also encourage them to do other things like to have escapisms. Now, when I say escapisms, that doesn't mean that I'm telling you to go and take a sabbatical for a year. If you had someone reject you on a cold call, <laughs> like, like that's that's like not what I'm talking about. And I'm not saying you need to go to Burning Man every year. If that's your thing, it is what it is. But like, what I'm talking about here is that you need to have certain certain things to keep yourself in a mental state that is what what I call a steady mindset. There's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, but you can't get caught up in those emotionally or you're not going to be able to do what you need to do. So escapisms can be a lot of different things. It can be reading a book. I mean, obviously right now you can't do this, but a concert, a music festival, going uh, doing flotation tanks. If you guys don't do those, that's something I suggest. I do them going to the ice box. So like ch- chirotherapy, things of that nature or video games. Like there's a lot of things you can do, but that's how you keep yourself in a positive mindset by writing down your goals, having escapisms. The last thing I'll add is making sure that you're being grateful for the things that you have in your life. I write down every single morning, three things that I'm grateful for. They're different every time, but it allows for me to be in the moment of what I'm doing so I can see success. Yeah. So on that note, starting in the morning to get your head in the game to prepare yourself for the day is essential. Like don't wait until you're stressed out and not performing well mid-morning to be like, ah, I should probably get myself in a great spot. I mean, please, by all means, do take the pause to do that, but get ahead of it in the morning. And it's amazing when you can create space. So I've read this, I've heard it, I've seen it, and I've also practiced it, which is giving your time, giving yourself time in the morning, the space before you get on your phone. And what happens is when a piece of information enters our mind, we immediately tell ourselves a story about it. We It's just based on our frame of reference and how we interpret it. So if we wake up and we see that our boss was up all night long and fired off like seven emails, we might stress out. When we look at our phone first thing, we're like, oh my gosh, I have seven emails in my inbox. By the way, asterisk, side note 
bosses. You can schedule your email to go out in the morning, even if you want to work at night, which is totally cool, but then you won't trigger and stress out your people and put them in a mindset where they have to think about it all night long and like ruin their sleep or make them feel like they have to work at the same hours you're working. So try scheduling your emails. Okay. Stepping out of that. But if you can in the morning, give yourself some space to be able to get in the right mindset. Affirmations, what you just said are great. What are you grateful for? And then also just your own daily affirmations. Sales is not an easy career, but it is a very rewarding career. And with sales, you you are an athlete. You have to compete every day. You have to play to win. It's even though you're not physically running a marathon, doing uh, the profession, like you'll feel that you can easily reach those moments of burnout. So your suggestion is fantastic. Um, set the mental mindset early in the morning, but then like keep a check on yourself. There's no reason that you should be taking something to a level where you're super burnt out or you're not performing or you're just not well. And the escapisms are great. And yes, we're probably not all going to a concert right now or like anything, um, but those are other really phenomenal examples. But it's just, you need to have mental health in sales and just be taking care of yourself and having the time away. So talk to me about what have you seen from an SDR perspective, uh, that type of role? What have you seen as far as setting up daily goals and prioritization? So you talked about setting a goal and writing that down, which is great. What other things can an SDR do to set up their day and prepare themselves? What can they write down? What, what I mean, well, how can they map out their days, their weeks and whatnot? Yeah. So what I always tell people is an organized schedule leads to organized results. Mm. So... If, Straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But here, here's the thing though, is that you can hit quota one month, but have absolutely no idea how you did it. Scary. It is. And I've had those conversations with reps. I was like, how did you hit this? And like, yeah, I don't really know. And I'm like, hmm, all right. So let's see what happens next month. Right. They don't hit quota. <laughs> right. And then it's like, all right, well, you didn't know how you hit it last month. You didn't hit it this month. Now you have no idea why you didn't hit and you don't know why you did hit. So now I don't know how to measure you. I don't know what my, I don't know that your expectation, like I don't know what you're going to do, which is not good for both of us. So what I tell people is that if you want to be able to map out what's going on, you have to be very organized in your schedule. Now, the best way to do that is to separate your calendar into three different colors. I just was doing a coaching call earlier today. So this is right in alignment with what I was telling them, which is, the three colors are green, yellow, and red. So green mm. stands for money-making activities. <laughs> All right. So if you don't have a lot of green on your calendar for the week, that's not good. <laughs> no green on the calendar equals no green in your pocket. Exactly. So you got to make sure it's there. So and then the next thing is yellow. So yellow means that you're taking the moment, right, just like a stoplight, to take a brief pause, like it's telling you that, to then look at things. What do I need to do to get to my money-making activities? So those could be a lot of different things. Those could be researching accounts. It could be taking a course. It could be a training. It could be listening to a podcast. Like These are all things to prep you for a money-making activity. And then red is taking a break. Breaks are critical. You can't just be spinning your wheels all day long, right? So you got to make sure that within the 30, 60, 90 window of activities that you do, there is some type of break. Right. So that you could take a time to just wind down and then move to the next thing. So these are things that I would tell everyone to be mindful of, to pay attention to when you are mapping out your weeks, months and quarters, 
And you should know, last thing I'll add here is you should know as a rep what your target is per month and per quarter and reverse engineer to figure out how many activities you need to do to hit that number. What are your thoughts on scheduling a break when a milestone is achieved versus a time block break? I think there's pros and cons to both. So do we just put it in to say like power dial for three hours, regardless of what the outcome is, like sit down, put your head down, make it happen at that three hour mark. Like it is time to just stand up, walk around, take a breather, like go invest in yourself, uh, take a moment. Or is it to set a, a milestone goal? Like my goal is to power through a minimum of 50 calls with the goal of connection, you know, four or five connections and setting an appointment. And as soon as I can make that happen, then I'm going to take that break. Like, what is your take on, because I've never managed an SDR team. So a lot of these things I've heard are just in theory, but what do you think is realistic from a management perspective? If you were coaching that team, which one do you think could be best to put in place? I, I'll always focus on breaking things in, hey, this is your hour to do this. I don't really care. Well, I do care how much you do, but I don't really care if you have like 35 in an hour or 30 in an hour. I just want you to focus on that activity for an hour because I know everyone's going to be different in that hour, right? You might, mm. you might, there might be a day where in that hour you made 30 calls, right? And I'll give you all an example here, but you got five people to pick up, right? Mm-hmm. But you made... 35 calls in an hour, but only one person picked up. So to aim for connects is hard because you don't control that. Mm-mm. I can't control if someone picks up because if if I did, <laughs> it'd be a lot easier. If <laughs> like, I did, let me tell you how my sales career is going to go. <laughs> yeah, like that would be incredible, right? But I don't control that. So I always tell people to work in time slots and it's going to make you more proficient when you do that. Hey, for an hour, I'm going to make calls. For an hour and a half, I'm going to do calls, right? I don't know how long that is for you. I normally recommend do not go over 90 minutes. If you go over 90 minutes, you're going to lose your mind. So that's just hey, that's good for everyone. And also, it's, <laughs> it's also how the human brain works. So if you go over 90 minutes in an activity, you start to lose your focus after 90 minutes. So that's why everything I have is within a hour and a half task of me doing it normally. That's what you should be doing. Now, you can go over if you want to. I'm just telling you what the data says there. Now, if we go back to answer that question again, I say, hey, hour to do this, hour and a half to do that, 30 minutes to do that. Now, you should set an expectation what you're going to do in that hour. But I would just say, hey, I'm going to do 50 calls today and I'm going to figure it out because then you're just going to sprinkle them throughout the day and you're going to be disorganized and you're not going to know what works and what doesn't. Okay. Yes. I had, I'm thinking back to the days where I actually had a big prospecting goal. And it was back when I was selling, um, back in 2017 was the last time I had a formal sales career and didn't work for myself. And I would find effectiveness. I like what you're saying about the 90 minutes. I think I was probably overly aggressive and even saying three hours, you were probably like, Mary, what is wrong with you? That's crazy. Um, <laughs> but I always felt uh, like I didn't always care about the leading number. You know, I, I didn't want to walk away from something and feel like, oh, I did the 50 dials or the 50 outreaches or whatever that number is. So like I'm done. I never felt done until I got the results. And so I always felt better. It's like, I don't care if I need to do it for 20 minutes, if I need to do it for four hours, but I'm not walking away from this prospecting block without setting an appointment. And so sometimes I would make it more milestone based to say, 
once I get that appointment, like that's my reward and I'm out and I'm on to the next task. Now that is not an SDR. That was me being an outside salesperson that had a prospecting component. So there were other pieces of my role that needed attention. So I can see where that doesn't quite fit in with um, setting those SDR goals. So I'm glad I was, it's good to talk through. Cause like I said, I have not personally managed an SER team and had that. Well, let's transition into more of management. When you have the thought about mental mindset, talk to me about the prep. If you're coaching an SER manager right now, what is their mental mindset prep that needs to happen before they go into the day of managing a team of SERs? I think the, the biggest thing that I learned pretty quickly is that you don't sign up for this, but you are a therapist. Hmm. <laughs> You are. And and this is this is why. So this is a question every single manager. You can also use this in your personal life because I do it too. <laughs> but oh, this, go this, on. <laughs> this question right here, you will have better conversations if you do exactly what I tell you right here. If you don't, then I can't help you. But if you do this, then <laughs> I promise you it'll work. All right. So this is what I ask people. When people are like, you know, you know, Mary, people like start complaining to you mm-hmm. or they start venting to you or they're asking for help. My mentor told me this, and I've used it every single day, is, hey, real quick, before we move forward in this conversation, do you want me to coach, help, or? Or, yeah, I can at least suspense, yeah. <laughs> I can leave you guys in suspense. All right, so coach, help, or, right, do you want me to listen? Mm. What great qualification. Yes, because I am a complex problem solver. So do you know what happens every single time somebody shares a problem with me? I, oh, I start solving it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, how do I do this? I'm, like, I'm the same way. I'm just like, wait, how do we? And I'm, I'm just like, nah, like sometimes people just want to just vent and you, you just sit there. Well, this is a powerful learning. I think I'll use this with my son. And my husband. <laughs> I'll report back to you next week and let you know how it goes. No, that I think it's transferable for every conversation that you're in, just to know your place and how you can be the best asset for them. So that's really brilliant to just subdivide it. Like, look, I hear you right now. I understand this is a concern. What would be the best use of our time? Like, how can I how can I assist? Are you are you looking for me to coach you through this? Are you asking for help? Or do you simply just need me to listen? I think about all those times where I just need somebody to listen. I don't need you to solve it for me. I just need a free and safe place that I can vent, that I can let this off my chest, that I can lighten my load. I just need to talk through it. And what a powerful thing to create. But you're right. I hear a lot of sales managers that talk about You had mentioned earlier in this podcast that if you are promoted from within, you go from being a teammate to a manager, and that is very difficult for people to start seeing you in a different light. And that can cause concern on the team's part because immediately it went from, we can tell you everything to, oh my gosh, now this person's in management and that rep might actually get scared and like replay the tapes and think all the way back through everything they've ever said and shared and like, oh boy, our relationship has changed now. 
and the dynamic shifts. And so I love what you had said initially about, hey, you get promoted from within, like it's time to sit down with the team and say, our relationship's just going to look a little bit different because I'm responsible for your success now. Whereas before we had a lot of camaraderie because we were fighting the good fight together, but now it's just changed a little bit different, but I honor our relationship and our history and our, uh, what we've built together. And I will continue to create an awesome feedback loop and communication loop, just like we've always had. And I'll honor that. But you also have to know, like we can maintain a relationship, but there are now going to be times when I'm going to have to manage. I'm going to have to bring coaching into the conversation. We're going to need to have tough conversations from time to time, but it's always in your best interest to helping you succeed and perform. And if it ever gets awkward or weird, like we need to just call that out. Let's, let's have really good open communication, but just know that that's shifted. I mean, that's an, I envision that's how I would do it. What do you have to add to that? Or what would you do differently from, yeah, from that? There's two, there's two things there. Cause I know there's some people who are probably wondering what's the difference between help and coach. Good. Please. So, so coaching is one-to-one, right? I'm digging into a process. I'm, I'm the person who's, who's helping you through that, right? I'm using my skill set as a coach to help you. Helping doesn't mean that you are helping, right? That could mean that I need to go talk to someone else to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So it isn't a direct correlation of me coaching you there, right? It's me going to find some help or maybe me sending you a book, right? It, it might not be me, the person that's helping. Right. So, so that's, that's important to know. And then the the next piece is I asked people that were my reps, how do you like your feedback? Do you want it to be direct? Do you like it indirect? Like, how do you best communicate? This is important because if someone says, I want to have direct feedback, right? So if I give you direct feedback and then you start being weird about it, (laughs) I'm going to be like, all right, uh, we had this conversation where you said that you like direct feedback. So is that not what you like? What's going on? Right. But I ask people how they like the feedback. And that's important to what you were just saying, because now I can have a more direct communication style with them. Or maybe they're like, Morgan, I don't like direct feedback. I don't want you to come at me as hard. Maybe you want it in a different way. Maybe it's a question based feedback where I ask you the question. So you discover it yourself. I have to identify that for each rep. Otherwise, I'm going to be sitting there like, man, I think this is how I like to be coached. So why aren't you listening to me? I love it. So two differentiations here. One is help versus coaching. I think about helping as jumping in and like rolling up your sleeves, either you or identifying somebody else that can actually help solve the problem and make it happen. Mm -hmm. Coaching for me, I view it as um, helping lead that person to the resolution of the problem through asking a series of questions and helping them identify that they have the answer somewhere inside of them and just helping them guide them to that and really learning how to troubleshoot that and and do it themselves and come to the conclusion themselves versus just like jumping in to help make it happen and solve that problem. And so that that's, it's a big differentiation. Like you had said earlier that sometimes people think they're coaching, but they're not. Mm. And in a poll of, do people truly understand what coaching is versus do they just think they're doing coaching? And it, it's probably a very big difference. But then secondly, you know, everybody has the, like, if you read the book, The Five Love Languages, we all have different love languages, but those love languages transfer into how we build relationships at work as well. And a big one is how we receive feedback. So for me, my love language is words of affirmation. That means I'm very sensitive to words that are spoken or those that are not spoken. And 
for someone giving me feedback because I'm so sensitive about words, word choice is very important for the person that's giving me the feedback and also creating space for me to know that I'm about to receive feedback because I don't like unsolicited feedback. And so it's, I don't like being caught off guard with that. It it just, it's never, it's never worked for me. So I love when managers enter into the conversation to learn, like, how do you receive feedback? Well, like, how do you want to have the conversation? So I've done that with my team and it's amazing because they've each told me how they want feedback. And some of them are like direct, give it to me immediately. Don't waste time. You can't hurt my feelings. Tell it as it is. I want all sides of the story. You don't have to sugarcoat, no filter. I want to know who said what, like if it was a client, if there was feedback, what happened? I want to know direct. Others are like, feedback is very hard for me. And I, it's going to help if you can tell me that that we're about to have a feedback conversation so I can get myself in the space Mm -hmm. that I need to be so that I can hear it. And then it just would be helpful if you can just pat it, like give me some of the good before you go into the bad, meaning compliment me on something I did right or tell me, build me up a little bit on something that was good about the situation. Then give me the constructive part and like, let's end on a high note because it's just hard for me to take that direct feedback. Okay, great. So guess what? We have amazing conversations (laughs) because we figured it out. Like what you just said was intense. I mean, it's just an easy to understand hack, like managers go do that. And it'll be shocking what happens in those conversations. All right. We're right about 28 minutes. And so Morgan, I'm going to have you put a bow on this and leave us with what we need to know after what we've discussed today. What's the most impactful thing that you can tie us up with? I want everyone from a manager perspective to walk away with this and have the mindset to be a proactive coach for your reps and not a reactive coach. Just because someone isn't raising their hand to say, hey, I'm in trouble or I need help, that doesn't mean that they aren't in trouble and they don't need help. So be proactive and your reps will appreciate that. And I still have reps today still tell me that the way that I coached them was extremely beneficial for their career. And they've gone on to be directors and leading teams for AEs and gone on to all different types of positions. But you have to be a proactive coach for your people. It's beautiful. Nice work, Morgan. How do people connect with you? All right. So I would tell you LinkedIn, but I can't accept you. So if you do it and you're like, Morgan, why aren't you connected with me? It's like, well, because I have a cap limit. Blame LinkedIn. So the best place to go is Instagram, which is at Morgan J. Ingram. That's the best place to go. And then just as Mary said, Muffins with Morgan Q&A on Saturday a.m. It will it will not disappoint. It's it, we, we come in pretty, pretty excited. So you should come check it out. And he has this insanely awesome landing page for it. So it's muffinswithmorgan.com. And you need to go check out the design on that page. Because if you had any questions (laughs) of what this guy's into, (laughs) you'll get it. You'll get it. So go sign up, go connect with him there. Morgan, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mary. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Quota Crusher podcast. Did you like it? Be sure to give us a rating and share it with your friends. And don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Lastly, if your company needs a boost in revenue, like real revenue growth, send me a message and we'll discuss how our team builds revenue engines for our clients, covering all facets like marketing, sales, rev ops, and customer success. Until next time.